Today we're going to continue our series called Thankful. Say thankful. Thankful. Yeah, I've already mentioned it, but Thanksgiving Day is coming this Thursday. But I believe that we should be thankful for more than just today. Actually, Thanksgiving should be changed from a day to daily. Would you agree this morning? Yeah, I believe that it ought to become a habit that we are addicted to. Our foundational uh, scripture for this series is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. And Paul writes there and he says, be thankful in all circumstances. Say in all circumstances. Yeah, be thankful in all circumstances for this is the will, uh, this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So it's the will of God that we practice thanks living, that we live every single day thankful. Thankful. Well, so far in this series, we've talked about being thankful for the cross. We've talked about being thankful for hope. We've talked about being thankful for purpose. Today, we're going to talk about being thankful for unity. Are you thankful for unity? I said, are you thankful for unity? You know, with all of the disunity that we have in our world today, if we have unity in some areas, these areas should be treasured and guarded. You know, for nearly 18 years now, we have enjoyed really awesome, incredible unity in this church. We haven't experienced even one major negative issue. Oh, a few minor personal issues here and there along the way. Of course, that is to be expected. But not even one major issue that affected the entire body. Do you know how rare this is? I said, do you know how rare this is? We need to treasure and guard the unity that we have experienced so that it might continue. Are you thankful for unity? Listen to these scriptures. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 3. He writes and he says, endeavor to keep. Say keep. Endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond bond of peace. And then the writer of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And then Romans chapter 14 and verse number 19, Paul writes again, and he says, therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which we may edify or build up one another. See, unity doesn't manifest on its own. Uh, It must be sought after. It must be worked at. It must be a priority. Well, I want to point out four things about unity Today, First of all, we'll talk about its delights. Its delights. You know, unity makes life so much better. I'm going to give you two benefits of unity this morning. The first one is this, and that is the possibility for success increases. Yeah, yeah, with unity, the possibility for success increases. Fact of the matter is, it's hard to get anything done where there's disunity. I, I love the, the story uh, of the two men trying to move the refrigerator. <laughs> and and they, ke- they kept struggling and struggling to get it through the doorway. And finally, the friend that was helping out, his other friend said, Man, man I'm not sure we'll ever get this refrigerator in your house. And the other man said, In, in, man, I'm trying to get it out. 
How many of you know it helps to be on the same page going in the same direction? Unity increases the possibility of success. The wisdom writer Solomon wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number 4, verses 19 uh, and 20, or excuse me, verses 9 through 12. Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verse 9 through 12. He says two are better than one. Why? Well, he gives the answer because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And then Jesus said in Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20, he said, if two of you say, or he said, if two of you agree, say agree. Jesus said, if any two of you agree concerning what they ask of my father, he will give it to you. What happens when people unify? Well, number one, the possibility for success increases. But number two, it provides peace for the journey. It provides peace for the journey. Hey, people, we are all in this journey together. Why not walk in unity? Why not walk a peaceful journey? Listen, listen, this pandemic is enough on its own. This virus is enough on its own. The fire is already blazing. Why, why add fuel to the fire? Why stoke the fire? People who walk in unity walk in peace, as much peace as possible anyway. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 18, Paul writes, and he says, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. Here's what I know, it depends mostly on us. (laughs) Yeah, Paul said, hey, as much as it depends upon you, Live peaceably with all people. But what I know is it depends mostly upon us, how we respond or how we refuse to respond to people, especially divisive people. People who are consistently involved in drama and conflict. You know, the older that I get, the more I cherish peace. I said, the older I get, the more I cherish peace. The more I hate drama the more I separate myself from divisive people. We're talking about being thankful for unity. We've talked about its delights, but know this, number two this morning, we're gonna look at its demands. Its demands. See, See, unity doesn't come without effort. Unity doesn't come without personal sacrifice. Here's what I know, and that is personal preferences must be laid aside. If we're going to practice and enjoy unity, we're going to have to set aside personal preference. See, see, more often than not, most division in life stems from something as shallow as personal preference. Is personal preference wrong? Absolutely not. But it's silly to fuss and fight and experience division over personal preference. 
Now, let me be clear this morning. I want to make sure that you understand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about principles. I'm talking about preference. See, I will stand on biblical principles. I, I will stand on biblical principles. And, 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 if they, and if these biblical principles are the difference in, in heaven or hell, I would even allow myself to be divided from somebody who made an issue out of it. but not personal preference. Let me give you an illustration. A principle says we will have church next Sunday. Hopefully we will have church next Sunday publicly and online, but we will have church next Sunday. Principle says we will have church next Sunday. Preference says what time We will have church next Sunday. And there have been churches that have split over something as shallow and silly and ridiculous as the time that you have church. Here's what I know. That is, you will not live in unity very long if you demand your personal preferences be honored every time. I like red. It's my favorite Color. In fact, no other color even comes close to the color red, in my humble opinion. (laughs) But guess what? Some people hate red. I remember one time talking to 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 a young man. We were talking about automobiles. I said, "Man, oh man, that would look good in red." And he goes, "Yuck." And we were standing by his car, and I looked at his car, and I wanted to say, yuck. (laughs) Hey, in my opinion, red's the greatest color there is. No other color even comes close to it, in my opinion. But some people hate red. Some people even think red is ugly. Listen, here's what I know about that. Those people need prayer. (laughs) Those people need a lesson in good taste. No, it's personal preference. We're talking about the demands of unity. It takes work. It takes personal sacrifice. Personal preferences must be laid aside. See, sometimes we must go along in order to get along. Am I talking about principles here? No, I'm talking about preference. Here's another demand. That is power struggles must be avoided. If we're going to have unity, we must avoid power struggles. I'm a leader. Always been a leader. I'm a strong leader. And when I'm in charge, I lead. But guess what? When someone else is in charge, I follow. I support. I submit. I'm on three boards. On two of them, I'm the chairman. So on those boards where I'm the chairman, I I chair. I lead those boards. On the third board, I am not the chairman. So guess what? I don't chair. (laughs) Some people don't know that on their boards. When I'm not the chair, I don't chair. I don't lead. I don't enter into a power struggle with the one in charge. For unity's sake, I listen. And if given the opportunity, I voice my opinion. And I usually have one. (laughs) 
But if my opinion differs from the one in charge, I say what I have to say with much love and in a way that doesn't come across divisive or condescending to other opinions. On this particular board, there are some powerful leaders, some very strong leaders. And honestly, I'm not intimidated by them. I'm not. I'm not intimidated by them, but I respect them and I honor them because they hold a position that I do not hold on that board. See, sometimes we respect the person, but if that person isn't a person of character, we should still respect the position. Or if we disagree with their opinion, we still should respect their position. The Bible says that God ordained authority. Authority was God's idea. God ordained authority. And we should honor those in authority over us, whether we like them or whether we don't like them, whether we respect them or whether we can't stand them. But if they are in authority over us, they have been placed there by God. It is God's design. And God says that we are to honor those that are in authority. Whether that be our parents, whether that be our teachers, whether that be the police, whether that be our pastor, or whether that be the president of the United States, whether you like him or don't like him. Whether you voted for him or did not vote for him. He's still the president of the United States. Still holds that office. And the Bible says that God puts one up and he takes the other one down. Here's what's funny. We only believe that God does that when the one in there is the one we want in there. I'm out where angels fear to tread right now, but that's all right. I've been out there before. In 3 John, verses 8 through 11, the Bible says a man in the church by the name of Diotrephes was causing division in the church. (laughs) Verse 9 says, Diotrephes, who loved, I love this verse, Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence, won't receive us. <laughs> I've had Mr. and Mrs. Diotrephes in my church before. Hello, testing one. Did y'all go away? <laughs> Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence, won't receive us. John wrote to the church and he said, this man is in a power struggle with us. He's trying to take over. He's causing division in the church by going against the teaching of the apostles. See, see, Diotrephes had a pride issue. He he wanted to be in charge. He wanted to be the big cheese. John said, I'll deal with him when I get there. See, if unity is to prevail, everyone must check their pride at the door. Everyone must, must check their ego at the door. Jesus said, if you want to be the leader, then you must be the servant of all. Power struggles must be avoided at all costs. In Mark chapter number 2, and we're going to talk about this story in the rest of the message. But in in Mark chapter 2, the story is recorded where four men placed their paralyzed friend on a cot. And these four men brought their friend to where Jesus was ministering. And because of the unity of these four men, they got their friend to where Jesus was, and the Bible says that Jesus healed him. He was carried on a cot to Jesus, but he carried his cot back home. 
Now, I'm thinking through this and reading through the lines, and I'm thinking there, there's no doubt that personal preferences had to be laid aside by these four men. I mean, no doubt there was more than one route that they could have taken, and perhaps every single one of them had a different route in mind. This is the way, this is the direction, this is the route that we ought to take. But they also understood that no matter what route they took, it would all lead them to where Jesus was. And that was, that was uh, uh, the goal anyway, to get their friend to Jesus so Jesus could heal them. And so I'm, I'm persuaded that at least three of those men laid their personal preferences aside and said, you know what, I think I've got a better route than they do. I think I know a shortcut, but you know what, it, for unity's sake and because I want to get my friend to Jesus, I'm willing to go along to get along because we're talking about preference. I don't know, perhaps there was more than one strong leader among the four. But for the sake of unity and the healing of their friend, power struggles were avoided. Maybe all four of them could have led. Maybe all four of them could have given direction. But, but I'm, I'm concerned that, or I'm, I'm convinced that probably more than one of those four were strong leader. But someone had to say, you know what? I'm going to submit. I'm going to go along. I'm, I'm going to, for the sake of unity and for the sake of the healing of my friend, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in line and march. How many still with me this morning? We're talking about unity. So far we've talked about its delights. We've talked about its demands. The third thing I want to talk about this morning, that is its durability. Its durability. You see, unity helps you make it through the hard times. Through the difficult times. Through the stressful times. In a unified marriage, when one is down, the other is up. When one is ready to quit, the other encourages them to keep on going. Unity brings with it durability. It helps you have patience with the process. Unity, it helps you have patience with the process. In the story of the four men carrying their paralyzed friend to Jesus, when they got to the house where Jesus was ministering, they found that it was packed with People, wall-to-wall people, even people standing in the doorway. There was absolutely no way that they could get their friend in through the door and into the presence of Jesus. Here's what I believe, and that is that if any, of, any one of these four men would have tried to take this man to Jesus on their own, they would have given up when they saw the problem. Probably couldn't even logistically uh, carry him by their, themselves individually anyway. But even if they got, even if they got the, him to where Jesus was and then they saw the problem, they would have probably given up and said, there's no hope, there's no way, there's nothing we can do. But because there were four of them and all four of them were working together in unity, they had the patience that was needed to figure out how to adjust the process. But not only does unity lead itself or lend itself to durability, which helps you have patience with the process, but it also, it also helps you press through the obstacles. Mark chapter 2 and verse 4 says they couldn't bring him to Jesus because the house was filled with people. So they carried him on top of the house, cut a hole in the roof, and lowered his cot down into the presence of Jesus by ropes. I don't know for sure, but just thinking through this story, probably not even one of these four men thought when they started out on their mission that it was going to come to this. No doubt they thought it would be as simple as loading this man on a stretcher and carrying him to Jesus. 
Well, here's what I know. That is, life teaches us that things thought simple rarely are. Obstacles seem to be the norm, not the exception. And that's why we need help, and that's why we need people, and that's why we need one another. Oh, what cannot be accomplished alone can be accomplished as a team. But listen, even a team will fail without unity. But a unified team will press through the obstacles. There are many obstacles facing the church today. Barna Research is telling us that 20% of American churches are failing to overcome the challenges of this pandemic. They are closing the doors. One out of every five churches in America today are not surviving the pandemic and they are closing their doors. Well, I declare that the Grace Place will not be listed as one of its statistics. But it could be if unity doesn't continue. See, we cannot take for granted unity. We've had unity now for almost 18 years, but but we cannot take for granted that it will continue. It must be worked at. But unity will help us press through the obstacles. There are obstacles, there are issues, there are problems, there are difficulties. Listen, this church is facing things that this church has never faced in its history. The church in general is facing things that it has never faced in its history. I used to say if a pastor hasn't pastored in the last five years, they're not, they don't know how to pastor because the church changes that quickly. Now I say if a pastor hasn't pastored during the pandemic, he hasn't pastored. He doesn't understand because it's never been this way. There are difficulties. There are problems. There are issues that have never faced the church in the history of the church before, at least in our generation that we are facing today. And the only way that we are going to succeed and the only way that we are going to make it and the only way that we're going to come out on the other side victorious is unity. Are you thankful for unity? Three of you are. I said, are you thankful for unity? If you are, then guard it, treasure it, do your part to retain it. All right, we talked just a little bit about the delights, the demands, and the durability of unity. Let me close with one more, and that is, we'll talk about its dividends. Its dividends. What are the dividends of unity? Well, let me give you two. First of all, people are blessed. Because of unity, people are blessed. In the story of the four men carrying their friend to Jesus on a stretcher, because of unity, because of the unity of these four men, they got their friend face to face with Jesus, and Jesus healed him. Without unity, this paralyzed man would have remained paralyzed the rest of his life. Unity is so powerful. I can't say it enough. I can't say it strong enough. Unity is so powerful. Because of unity, people are blessed. Because we, the Grace Place, are a unified church that unifies under a purpose. Because of unity, people are blessed. Approximately 150 missionaries receive financial report or support from us every single month because we unify under a purpose. 
New churches are being started literally all over the world. Water wells are being drilled to provide fresh water to people that have had to drink nasty, filthy, polluted water their entire lives. They're sick and they die young because of this nasty water. Oh, all but because of the unity oh, of this church. And we unify under that purpose, oh, uh, uh, the same purpose. Because of that, water wells are drilled and fresh water is given. And people are living and people are healthy because of unity. Hungry children that, that have gone to bed hungry most of their lives go to bed now with a with a with a full stomach, with a well-nourished meal because, because we unify under purpose. And millions, and yes, I didn't say thousands, millions of people will be in heaven and not in hell because of the unified efforts of the Grace Place these past 15 years or so since we've been healthy. What are the dividends of unity? People are blessed. But also, because of unity, plans succeed. We would not be sitting in this awesome facility and others wouldn't be enjoying this service via live streaming today if not for the unity that we enjoy at the Grace Place. And I believe that God has an incredible plan for the future of this church. In fact, may I be as bold to say that I believe that our best days are not behind us, and our best days are certainly not today, but I believe that our best days are still ahead of us. But unity or the lack of unity will be the determining factor. Well, I wish I had more time to talk about the dividends of unity this morning. I'll leave it for another time. The takeaway for the message today is simply this, and that is a unified people will position themselves for success. Are you thankful for unity? Do you enjoy unity in your home? Do you enjoy unity in your workplace? Do you enjoy unity in the church? Do you enjoy unity in your relationship? Oh, oh, if, if so, guard it. Cherish it, cultivate it, be thankful for it. Father, I thank you today, Father, for your wonderful, wonderful, life-changing, life-altering, miraculous word. God, I thank you. I'm so blessed and I'm so thankful. And Lord, as I talk to other pastors and, 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 and as I'm on a, a stream of pastors, uh, group of pastors and I see I see their problems, I see their hurts, their difficulties, their problems, their struggles. Oh God, I'm I'm reminded every day how blessed that I am and how blessed we are at the Grace Place. Thank you for the unity that you've given to us and allowed us to enjoy. God, I pray the unity that we've had will be the unity that we will continue to have. As we go forward in the days, weeks, months and years ahead. We love you, we worship you, we praise you today.